Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. My next guests on West Coast Live uh, have made a, a documentary a film together. Uh, Ricky Lake is an actress and a talk show host, and uh, her first uh, major film was a collaboration with John Waters in the original Hairspray. She also had a part in the subsequent one. And Abby Epstein is a filmmaker, and uh, along with her husband, uh, uh, partner, director of photography, made a documentary called The Business of Being Born. Will you please welcome them to West Coast Live? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have a seat. Want to be here? Want to be here? Thank you very much for, uh, for stopping by to talk about your film. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. This is so cool. You don't have anything like this in L.A. I'm sorry. This is amazing. <laughs> no, there is nothing like this in L.A. We've, we've, <laughs> we've sent out scouts and, and determined that. Uh, but, but the idea of, of making a film about the business of birth and why midwives are so uh, are being sort of shoved to the periphery of the business of becoming a mother in this world has uh, interested you for, for how long, Abby? Um, it hasn't interested me for very long, I'll be really honest. Um, I, I knew nothing about this subject. I didn't know what a midwife was. I had very little interest in it. Um, you know, I think like a lot of women, I thought, well, one day I'll have kids, and then when I get pregnant, I'll deal with all this stuff. Um, but I was lucky enough to be friendly with Ricky, um, who had two very different births. Um, and she was the one who really came up with this idea to do a film and approach me as a friend and a filmmaker. And, um, you know, thanks to her, I embarked on this three-year journey of, you know, not only having a baby as part of the film, which was not intentional, but it ended up happening. Oh, it wasn't part of the process? It, originally? it wasn't part of the production plan? It wasn't part of the production the plan. It was for the art. <laughs> exactly. I say it was the real supersize me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> You know, so it, so it just, I was just so lucky to, you know, be empowered with all this information about birth when I was, you know, having the baby and making the film. But I, I think it's a really kind of, you know, as a topic, it's something that people are interested in for a very short window of time, you know, like while they're having children and before and after, they're not really that interested. And, you know, Ricky and I are, are hoping that will change now. What, uh, what were your two uh, various experiences? Well, I had my first son 10 years ago in a hospital setting with a midwife, and my second was six, uh, four years later, six years ago, at home in my bathtub. Which is shown in the film. It is shown in the film. It's a very small part of the film, but I felt, you know, I was so transformed. I mean, both experiences were really empowering and great, healthy babies and vaginal births. I mean, there were success stories in both of them, but I felt I learned so much between the first and the second birth, just the statistics and the pros and cons of it all, and it just seemed like this was information that nobody else I knew had access to. And that's when I kind of looked at my career, and I'd been doing the show for a long time. What do I want to do? What do I believe in? And I felt like midwives were just so misunderstood and so underappreciated and uh, not unlike teachers, you know, and I felt like if I can shed some light, change the stereotype, empower women, educate women and the consumer to fight for their right to choice, because this movie is really not about have a home birth or, you know, hospitals are bad. It's really, the, it's about choice. And uh, if you want your epidural and you are empowered and have the information, great. We we just want you to go in informed. And, uh, and that's really what this is about. 
You made an interesting point in the film, which was that when uh, drugs first came in to be used for women in, in birth, it also came at about a time when women were beginning to feel that they could make their own choices. And a choice was to avoid the pain and to go for the drugs. Yes, I, which I think is so interesting. The history of obstetrics in this country is something that I knew nothing about. And I think it makes sense, you know, that it is a business. And that once doctors, you know, move birth into the hospital, the midwives were sort of pushed aside. And, and just that, you know, the drugs, the feminist, modern woman and, you know, heard about this drug in Germany, scopolamine. They wanted to be numbed from the pain. But truthfully, childbirth is painful. But if you have your elective C-section, you're only prolonging even more pain, I believe. I believe. I mean, I, if, I, if I can give birth at home on my own, I think a lot of people could too. I love pain. I'm the daughter of a pharmacist. I happen to be very pro-drug, especially pain relief. But to me, with, with giving birth, it wasn't an illness for me. It wasn't a, a, a something that needed to be treated, you know? One of, one of the issues that, that uh, comes up in the film is, is, that, is that there's a lot of fear uh, that makes choices. Uh, the, the medical legal system, the insurance companies all, uh, all want, you know, good outcomes, you know, and, and it's predicted that, well, you have a better outcome if you do it in the hospital. Cesarean sections, particularly in New York, are up, particularly paired with the tummy tuck, you know, for the repair afterwards. And, and yet also one of the things, particularly after seeing your experience in the film, Abby, because you become part of the film as well, is that there's also an image that comes up that you weren't a woman unless you give birth in the traditional time-honored generational way, vaginally. Um, but even so, that's also kind of a misleading impression too, isn't it? Yeah, I just think any way that, you know, you pressure women in any way or, or judge them for their choices throughout this process is, is totally unnecessary, you know? And I think that, you know, you find in this world there's some very opinionated people and, you know, breastfeeding, there's the lactivists. I mean, there's a scene, there's a scene. Lactivists? Uh, lactivists, yes. I mean, you know, there's there's a scene in the film where I'm I'm breastfeeding my child and then there's a scene eight months later where, oh my God, I'm giving him a bottle, you know, and they jump all over me and I, I get it, you know. I mean, people are very, very uh, um, opinionated, but I don't think that women should have any kind of pressure, whether it's to have a natural birth or to breastfeed or, you know, I just think that women need to have the information, you know, um, and then they can, they can make an informed choice. But, um, I really feel like it's, it's not about, and I, I think that anybody who's seen the film, you know, comes away with the sense that the film is really balanced and the film, you know, is, as Ricky was saying, it's not about, oh, go have a home birth, you know, it might be about, hey, maybe you should consider using a midwife, you know, if you're a low-risk woman. You know what was hospital. was really interesting, and I hope the film gets shown, is it yeah. is it <laughs> medical schools? There was a, there was somebody who says yeah, yeah. you go to a, a doctor's a convention, obst obstetricians are, are said, how many of you have ever been to a home birth? And no one raises their hand. They don't know what it is. Right. Marsden Wagner says something brilliant. He said he asked all the medical students, anybody raise your hand if you've ever witnessed a home birth? And nobody. They said you're like the modern day. What was it? The modern day uh, explorers who are geographers that are trying to describe a country that they're too afraid to go to, you know. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely shedding some light uh, on a subject that needs to be discussed. We are showing it in hospitals. We did a screening in New York at two hospitals last week. We showed it. My obstetrician showed
showed it at Grand Rounds at his hospital. Um, you know, we've showed it at other hospitals. We have now are getting tons of requests, tons. They showed it at high-risk OB conference at Vanderbilt University. Um, a lot of nurses, L&D nurses, are bringing the film into their hospital to show other nurses because the nurses are really who are on the front lines in these hospitals, you know. What And I don't know, do you want to talk about what happened for you by the end of the film or save that as a... Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, my, my birth ends up providing, I'll say, just a very suspenseful third act. And, um, and you know, it, it, it did not end up to be kind of like the beautiful, smooth water birth that Ricky had. Um, but we, we thought that, you know, because my birth did ultimately require medical intervention, it was very important to show that in the film, too, because there is a place for the hospital. And, you know, safety is also about having access to technology, not abusing technology or applying technology inappropriately on every woman who has a baby, but having access to technology for, you know, the small percentage that needs it. So we wanted to have, you know, my birth as part of the film, which which we got a lot of heat for, you know, from some people. But we felt it was really important. Why did you get heat for it? Um, because, like I said, there's some, very, you know, there's very <laughs> opinionated, passionate people in this in the birth world, and you know, a lot of the midwives were upset that, you know, oh, why'd you end on that birth, and you know, bleh. but we didn't. But that was your story. It. That's not my story, you know, and that's what documentarians do. You turn on the camera, and you know, I think you have a responsibility to show whatever happens. You know, how did how did you find your midwife? I mean, you, you, the film opens at three twenty-five a.m. in New York City. Oh, Kara. She's she's oh. she's packing the oxygen. The, the medicines that she needs to take, the drugs, taking something out of the oven that yeah, I don't know that she's baking, I don't know what it was, uh, and wrapping up. It was still wrapped in a reddish cloth, and I'm yeah. not sure what that was. Well, and then she goes off... Fresh fresh biscuit, biscuits and cream to the birth. No, she was bringing... Her instruments were in the in the oven. She was warming them. She was, yeah, and sanitizing. She sterilized them in her oven at home? No, 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 they're sterilized, and then she wraps them and keeps them in the oven to keep them... Sterilized. How did you find her? Because, you know, she's... She's clearly highly qualified at what she does. And she's but, a character. And she's a character, and she drives around. She's got a map on her knees and cell phone on one hand, making deals, you know. You know, can I get to that birth in time? Can I do this one? She's amazing. I mean, Kara happened to be, I, we didn't find her that way, but she was my backup midwife. So my midwife for my home birth. You have a backup midwife. Well, you do, you do. If a midwife works alone, you know, you absolutely, I mean, you need a doctor to back the midwife up, and you need another midwife in case she has two births at the same time. But I, how did you hear about Kara? Word of mouth, right? Yeah, I think we knew somebody who had a birth with her, and she was, you know, when we were trying to cast for characters, I met her for coffee. She happens to live six blocks from me in New York, and, you know, as soon as we met her, it was like, oh, my God, people do not, would never think that this woman is a midwife, you know? I mean, she just, you know, she wears stiletto heels, and she's like this sexy, you know, she's a real kind of force of nature, and I thought, I thought that she, like, defied all those stereotypes that everybody thinks about with the woman with the, you know, bells on her ankles running through the field, you know? And now, that comes out of the communal movement, where midwifery yeah. sort of came very, back to a fore in the, in the U.S. It's very Northern California, yeah. Do you get many of those in L.A.? I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's nice that they're, they, they, they are everywhere. I mean, midwives, you know, it's like, we, I did a screening at Newport Beach, you know, Orange County, and they look like Pamela Anderson, these midwives. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's just nice to change the, the, the mental picture that we all have, you know. Even I'm, you know, being surprised at, at all the different types of, of women out there that are... It's not, that's what we're trying to get across in the film. Like, this isn't a hippie thing anymore. You know what I mean? I actually think, like, we need more midwives in this country. We need to rescue birth. We need to bring birth back. 
back into the normal, not the surgical, you know, specialty that it's become. But but there's also a scene where people who've gone through this with a midwife get a runaround from insurance companies. It's true. I mean, uh, you know, the insurance situation is is just a mess, and it's not just in birth; it's everywhere. You know, uh, I know for my home birth, it was four thousand dollars, and I had to fight to get paid. You know, I had to fight, and you think if I was if I had a spontaneous birth in a hospital, it would have been at least three times that. So it's just, it seems kind of backward, that it's co- more cost-effective, it's safer, and yet they don't want to pay. So I think, you know, we as the consumers need to fight, you know. There's a, a I mean, I think part of what, when you, when you talk about fear, is, it, is that people want to have a good outcome. They want to minimize risk. I mean, the, the doctors do, and I imagine many mothers-to-be want to have the birth. They want to make sure everything comes out okay. Yeah, and I don't blame them. We all want that. I mean, that's that's the true success story. No matter how they come out, you want a healthy baby. Uh, but I think you know it's it's so it's scary. This litigious society that we live in. The minute there isn't a perfect baby or a perfect outcome, you want to blame somebody, and it's not always anybody's fault. So um, it's just you know I, I I think for me wanting to truly wanting to make this movie, I wanted to. Why did I care about the process of giving birth so much? That was as important to me as having a baby and becoming a mother. You know, and so I wanted just just women to kind of look at it a different way and say, God, you know, I really would love to be empowered and to feel like I'm in control of my body, not necessarily by having a home birth or natural birth, but at least be informed and have a positive birth experience, because I think that can have a lasting effect not only on them, but on their children. Was there anything in the in the making of the film that you decided you you couldn't include in the in the documentary for reasons of, I don't know, sensitivity or uh, or or possible showability of the film. Um, I you know I think that hmm, like I think because the the documentary is opinionated. I mean I I think it's you know balanced, but it's opinionated. You know I think sometimes it's it's very easy to make you know people look bad in a certain light. And there was definitely we had some pretty incriminating moments. You know of I would say that didn't reflect well upon the medical industry. And, you know, we, we chose not to, in a sense. I mean, we didn't want to make a, a mud-slinging documentary, even though, you know, th- there was still some backlash about it within, you know, the obstetricians that we showed it to in the hospital. I think that, you know, we felt like this isn't, that's not the spirit of this movie. You know, the spirit of this movie is not to polarize further and say, you know, only a midwife birth is good. I mean, that's just not true at all. There's fantastic physicians out there. You know, my physician, my obstetrician in the film was an amazing forward-thinking liberal obstetrician so you know I think that we did catch some things that um, on film that we chose not to show because we did not want to you know indict hospitals or or, you know make anybody look bad. But you also do make the point though that that there is a a convenience factor in the increase of c-sections like for instance they would peak at four o'clock in the afternoon and at ten o'clock in the evening you know, and, and, a, and a doctor was telling the story of the observation, you know, four, four o'clock time to get off shift, you know, uh, go home for dinner or 10 o'clock at night. I don't want to be here all night with these yeah, people. And, and who can blame them? They want to have a life, you know, I, I, I get it. And also, you know, there's a statistic that's not in the film, but 86% of obstetricians will be sued at least once during the course of their career. You know, that's a scary, you know. What sort of, what's, how, much, how much does the midwife pay in medical malpractice insurance? 
they have the same problem. I mean, their their malpractice insurance isn't as expensive normally just because they're only dealing with low risk patients, you know, and healthy women. So, uh, you know, it's a little it's a little bit lower, but midwives are uh, and birth centers are closing all over this country for the same reason because they cannot afford their malpractice. So, so what you need is a midwife who can do tummy tucks then afterwards, too. Uh, <laughs> God, doesn't seem like that goes together. No, goes against that. Imagine that. What having a tummy tuck after your C-section? I, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, I, I can't either. I mean, it just seems it seems crazy, and I don't know anyone personally who has done that. But um, yeah, I guess they call it designer birth. But I don't. You know, we did actually. We did go to Brazil and we filmed a little bit there, which didn't make it into the movie. But I mean, there it's almost like science fiction now. I mean, the private hospitals, it's ninety over ninety percent C-section rates. You've never seen anything like this. You go into these hospitals, and there's like a bar and a piano. I- I'm not kidding. And there's no labor rooms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what it's like. <laughs> it's just like that. It's like in the future. There's like a, g- a glass wall wow. with a piano bar. I mean, it. it Mike, is. you've got a new venue. Well. I'm <coughs> I mean, the gigs are falling apart here. Why not? Brazil, yes. I'm all for it. Has, has uh, John Waters seen your film? He did come to a screening last year during the Tribeca Film Festival, and he walked out, and he said it was the most shocking film of the year. <laughs> Tell him what else he said. No, he also said if he was a woman, he'd be too posh to push. <laughs> yeah, that was a phrase that came up in the film, too posh to push. And did that come from Posh Spice? Or is that where it came from? They're attributing that to Posh Spice, yes. <laughs> I have a question for you as a, somebody who does a, t- a talk show. Where did, that, where did that idea come from of people having little note cards, the hosts, with their name on the back sides? Yeah. So it's, it's always seen like Ricky? Or... I'd love to say it was my idea. But no, I mean, I didn't use an IFB when I worked, so I, I was sort of rare in that. I an IFB on. is... is... An IFB is like an, uh, an earpiece that you have that feeds from the control rooms so they can give you, you know, t- whatever, cues to take and ways to go. So I was more off the cuff, and I, I would get cards, you know, go to this, or you have three minutes left. And just the, the, the card was like just like a, you know, cheat sheet for me to just remember the names of the people I had, the, the, you know, yeah. I was wondering, you know, you have, you have, 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 you have yours? No, 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 we don't have, no, I don't have, this is, this is it, this is the program here. Uh, but I, I'm sure my director would love to have a little kind of earpiece in my ear, so he could yeah. say, hey, you're running go along. Break, go to break, okay. yeah. Yeah, see, we don't have any breaks except to the end of the show. No, we have a little short one-minute ID break, but anyway. So what are the films uh, you have planned? Uh, you mean in the future? In the future. Oh, my God. Well, you know, the thing with this film is that we kind of started a movement here. I mean, we started a little revolution with this film. So for the moment, um, you know, we've got a lot more work to do on this film. We just opened at the Roxy last night. Um, and now we're opening around the country because the film is doing so well in New York and L.A. And now it's doing so well here in San Francisco. So Ricky and I are writing a book. Um, that's going to come out in about a year to follow this up. And we're also working on our website, thebusinessofbeingborn.com, which we're turning into a, a big website for birth information. So I feel like, you know, after working on this film for three years, I don't feel like, you know, we can just jump into another project, although we're definitely going to do something together again, for sure. Uh, Naomi Wolf had a book about, about this. Yeah, Misconception. Mis- misconception. And, and I wondered on, after reading it if, 
if some of the issues you describe are, are sort of urban-centric or New York-centric or if there are differences no, in the rest no. of the country? No, I actually, I, we always, you know, in the movie we focus on the U.S., but really it seems to be global. Uh, we, went to, we went to Sydney and, and presented the film there. They actually have a higher C-section rate than we do. And they have a... And, and, but, but not as high as Brazil? Uh, not as high as Brazil. I think they're 31% in Australia. But, but, you're, but you're not talking about poor people in Brazil. You're talking about... Rich people, rich people, yes, yes. And, and, you know, poor people are giving birth unattended. In this country, you know, in states where, you know, midwives are not recognized and they're not licensed, you know, women that don't have insurance are just giving birth completely without prenatal care at home. And that's part of why we have a horrible maternal death rate in this country, and it's on the rise. So, I mean, you know... It, but it is a universal problem. We thought, you know, Abby brought the film to Zurich, uh, Zurich Film Festival, and, you know, we think it's better, but yet it's really not. They're having the same issues. So, and in Australia, it's interesting. They have this, this $5,000 incentive if you have a baby because they want, you know, to build a population. But yet, if you have a midwife, if you choose to have a midwife, you have to pay out of pocket versus if you have a doctor, it's free. So it's just... It's like there have been some deals made, I think. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah, it's Possibly. everywhere. The, uh, and, and also, I mean, some of the medical footage that you used from earlier generations, you know, was, was shocking. What was, yeah. what was the... Uh, there, was a, there was a woman who, who was blindfolded and looked like she was in a yeah. straitjacket. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Where was that from? That, what period? The 20s? That was from in the 20s. That was birth under scopolamine morphine anesthesia. And scopolamine is, is now used for motion sickness on cruise ships. What's, yeah, yeah, but you get a little, a little patch behind your ear. Patch. Patch. Wow. I guess you just have to have five hundred on your body, and you'll get that same lasting effect that they had in the twenties. I, I had, I had that patch once, when, you know, when I went, went to the Antarctic crossing, you know, on a sailboat, and, and there were three or four of us that had the scopolamine patch on it. It was very strange. We all had the same hallucinations at the same time. Really? Of, of these kind of like old pirates or sea captains coming <laughs> talking with us, and they were all completely independent. It was very bizarre. Yeah. That also, I mean, that that was a very dark history. In, in and then I gave birth. I was. Oh. Really, really <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say it was almost impossible in the documentary to find documentation of that period in childbirth history. Like we would hear about videos, and then the videos wouldn't exist at the Library of Congress. I mean, it was almost impossible to find that. But there was a whole generation of women for decades that lost childbirth in this country, absolutely lost it. You know, and we What do you mean lost it? They lost the experience. They were absolutely because they were knocked out, out anesthetized. Knocked out, isolated, you know, <laughs> kept in hospitals by themselves. Husbands were not allowed even in the building. I mean, we've heard some gruesome stories and and how it started to stop actually was that like Ladies Home Journal and magazines, you know, started to blow the whistle and print letters that nurses were writing called cruelty and maternity wards. And, you know, slowly, slowly, you know, the, the system started to reform. So it feels like we kind of need that again. Again, you know, we need an, a whole. We need to take back birth again and again and again because it's. Um, where, were, where were you born? I was born in Mount Sinai Hospital in in New York City. I and there. and and where were you born? I was born in the Bronx. In a, in a hospital. In a hospital. My mother. My mother was told to not uh, gain any weight. She gained eleven pounds during my pregnancy. She was on a cantaloupe diet the entire pregnancy. Cantaloupe. Diet? Yes, she smoked throughout the entire pregnancy. <laughs> And I that was, was to a, counteract the cantaloupe. I guess, I guess, or the hunger pains. And then I was full term, and I was five pounds when I was born. Wow. Yeah. Yes, there's been, you know, the information that is given to women, it's pretty shocking, you know. I mean, some of the stories you hear, and, uh, you know, that it's still kind of going on today. Even, even women, is, you know, equating a, a, a C-section with safety. 
You know, women are being informed that that's the safest way for a baby to be born, and and it's it's abdominal know. surgery. It's a serious it's operation. Yeah, yeah, it seems crazy. The uh, the film is called The Business of Being Born by Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein. And thank you very much for coming to thank talk with us. For Thanks for making the film. It's a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for thank seeing you. the film. Yeah, okay, thank you. Ricky Lake, Abby Epstein. The film is called The Business of Being Born. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.